Did you hear the news? We released new music just for you. Planet Shaker's latest album, Show Me Your Glory, is now available on all streaming platforms. Let the powerful melodies lift up your praise and worship as you encounter His glory and magnify His name. Now to this week's podcast. A few uh, weeks ago, about six weeks ago, I was in America and, um, you know, it was very hot actually. I flew into LA, then went on to Las Vegas and... uh, uh, it was 46 degrees Celsius. I landed back in Melbourne and it was like 10. And, uh, but when I was in LA, Pastor Jason has a guy in his church that, that has a Lamborghini and he said, do you want to drive a Lamborghini? And I'm like, let me pray about it. <laughs> okay, yep, sure. Because I love Italians, so I have to support Italian things. And so he goes, but be careful because the accelerator is so strong. You know, this car goes 350 mile an hour, which is like a thousand kilometres. And he goes, but we've warmed the wheels up so it's all good. And so I get in there and it's not a really comfortable car, to be honest. It's like a, um, so I'm sitting in there and I'm really nervous as I'm putting my foot down to but I've worked, I learned this lesson when I was driving the Lamborghini. Doesn't matter how you look, people will always want to date you if you drive a Lamborghini. <laughs> you know how many people are like, hey, and you're like, you're driving like, yeah, what's up? <laughs> so if you're single, just hire a Lamborghini for the day in America and you'll be good. Anyway, so I'm driving and I, and I because the really thing about the Lamborghini isn't the comfort, even though it's supposed to be comfortable. And it's, it was a yellow one, right? So you stand out. But the, the engine is really, really powerful. And so when you put your foot down and it drives really well, the brakes really well, it, uh, it just, it's loud. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. And so I begin to think about that and I begin to think about how much power it had under the engine. And I thought about how a vehicle actually is supposed to take you somewhere. And I thought about our lives. Our lives are a vehicle. And I want to speak to you on uh, the topic today, faith, the engine room, or faith, the engine. Here's a car. I don't know whose car this is, but it's a car. Um, It's a Mercedes, apparently. And um, it's... uh, so if you look at this car right now, it, you can see the exterior. Everyone say the exterior, exterior. So you can see the exterior. What attracts you to this car initially is the exterior. So the exterior, and so many people work in their life on their exterior. And I'm not against working on your exterior. I'm working on my exterior right now. I'm shrinking my exterior. I'm wearing clothes I haven't worn in years. It's awesome. These have been sitting in the cupboard. I'm like, I'll pull them out, looking in the mirror. Put up some selfies, try to copy Daniel Bates. <laughs> this jacket I've worn in years. So you work on the exterior. Another wrong working on the exterior. You know, you, you get your teeth done, you get your, you know. 
stuff. To help me, like Daniel like has day spas every day for three hours. He, he has, it's true, his wife is um, agreeing with that. Um, mind you, you probably need it. Um, no, I'm joking, joking, it's a joke, I joke. Um, so the exterior, is attra- it attracts, that's why we dress well, that's, we look after the exterior. You buy a car because of, most girls buy a car because of the colour and how it looks. Most guys buy it because of the colour, how it looks and the air conditioning and the, and the comfort. So anyway, that's not true. I just put you into a stereotype. Anyway, you look at the exterior, right? Then you have the interior. So here's the interior. Some people like interior for comfort. They like it for size. Uh, the bigger your family gets, the bigger the interior gets. Um, Zach, are you, are you talking to Parissa and saying, let's get this one um, instead of the, uh, anyway. So you look at this and, you know, the interior. And we all have interior, our thoughts, our feelings, our lives, uh, our interior. We have external, exterior, and we have the interior. And then then you go into the entertainment system. I usually buy cars or like cars for the entertainment system. If it has a good stereo, I'm really happy. Doesn't matter how, well, it doesn't matter how it looks, but the, the stereo is really important because I get sent all our songs and I like listening to our like, good music. I hate, I hate cars that have really bad uh, sound systems because they don't appreciate the, the bottom end and the top. Anyway, just, so here you got the, the entertainment system, which is your environment, is your, you know, you think about your life, what entertains you, you get things that you enjoy, you, that facilitate your journey in life. And, and so that, they're all good. And, and then you have the wheels. And the wheels are the systems that you live by. They might be how you uh, get up in the morning, what you do first, how you brush your teeth. Um, then you have... You know, you have systems in your life. You know, my family, when I grew up, um, every Monday night we would go to a a drive, a family drive, and we would talk in the car. We learnt to talk in a car. So I'm the best communicator in the car. You know, at home, the TV's on, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, whatever. But in the car, that's when I talk. In my office, you know, Andy asked me lots of questions. I'm like, ask Jimmy. But if he phones me in the car, he'll get more out of me. So I have systems. You're learning, right? So I have systems. We all have systems that we're raised on. Systems how we live. And, and that's like the wheels in a car. And then you have the steering wheel, which is like the direction to your life, the vision to your life. Uh, where you go in your life. You, when you turn left, you go left. When you turn right, you go right. And when I was a kid, I used to uh, sit in my dad's one, Datsun 180B and it was a horrible car for today, but back then it was a cool car. And I would sit there and, and uh, I remember I, would, I couldn't go anywhere. I'd turn the wheel left and, and you'd hear that but you wouldn't be going anywhere. And, and then you'd turn it right and it wouldn't go anywhere. You're, you're trying to bring direction. I'd be pretending I'm driving. Um, you, and, and so you can have vision for your life. Your wheel, your steering wheel is what brings you vision. But all these things look good, sound good, appear good, systems are good, but without an engine, it goes nowhere. 
You can have their looks on the outside, the the feeling on the inside. You can have the joy in the moment. You can have the systems to your life. You can even have a vision, but without an engine, you go nowhere. And faith is the engine that takes you to your destination. (laughs) Hebrews 11 verse one says, Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. So faith is turning on the engine and start moving. In the Message Bible says, the fundamental fact of existence that this trust in God, this faith is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It's our handle on what we can't see. The act of faith is what distinguishes our ancestors to set them above the crowd. Faith sets you above the crowd. The bi- faith is the engine room that takes you to your journey. All these things are good. Our, the exterior, the interior, the, the, the entertainment system, the, the wheels, the systems, the vision. But without the engine, all these things, without the engine, the designer doesn't achieve its purpose for a vehicle to take you to your destination. And the same thing, God created you with purpose. He designed you, but what engines your life or brings projection to your life or brings momentum to your life is faith. James chapter 2 says this, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing. You say, goodbye, have a good day. Stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. Now, some of my argue, argue some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say to you, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I'll show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith for you believe there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this. And they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. So it happened just as the Scripture says, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of faith. So even called the friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right by God for by what we do, not by faith alone. Rahab the prostitute is another example. Think about that. A prostitute is made right with God. And she's living this life and she's made right with God because of faith. She was made known right with God by her actions when she hid the messengers and set them safely away at a different road. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. The thief on the cross couldn't do anything. Faith got him into heaven. So faith gets you into heaven. But it's faith that brings heaven to earth. See, our belief gets us to go to God, to meet Him. But our belief also brings His presence, His power to earth, 
to live out His purpose. So it can't be I'm, I believe but do nothing. I believe God to use me, but I do nothing. I, I, I have a dream, but do nothing with the dream. I, I want to start a business, but I never start a business. I, I, I have a goal in life, but I never step out with that goal. I want to change the world, but you can't change the world by watching TV. Now I watch TV, I've got three big TVs. I like big TVs. I don't like small TVs. I, I, I want them big. You go, why? I just like big TVs. It's just something I like. You can't watch sports small. You've got to watch it big. Anyway, when the Matildas win, you watch it big. When they lose, you turn it off. <laughs> Faith is the engine to your life. You see what faith does is it creates movement. An engine creates movement in your life. If you think about this, you say, I want to, I've got a dream for a business or a career or whatever. Without movement, it, all it is is an idea that sits in your heart that disappoints you. But with movement, you put the engine on, you engage the, you put the car into drive, you engage it, it starts moving. And you say, God, I believe. Okay, get moving. Put your belief into action. Hmm. It it's the purpose, the engine brings purpose to the design. That's so cool. The engine takes us to a place where we were designed to go. The engine, faith, takes you to the place of enjoyment, work, home and dreams. So without going and doing what you were called to be and do, you do nothing with your life. If to live in victory, which doesn't stop in 2024, to live in overwhelming victory, you've got to engage the engine. You've got to do stuff, even when it doesn't seem like anything's happening. You think about this. Noah, he's there and God says, build an ark. You go, he says, God, what's an ark? He says, I'll build it. You know, Noah, if he was living in the, the day of today, in the Western church or the church globally, he wouldn't have been invited to any of our church conferences. You know why? Because all he's got is a family church that no one's joining. Because <laughs> usually, well, all the time you get invited to the conference because you have something that you're, you're carrying for the conference. But if you just looked at him in that, that season of his life, that all he's doing is getting up every morning and hammering away and building away. And there he is, he could have got up and no one is joining him. In fact, there's opposition, there's naysayers. I've discovered every dream you have, there'll always be the critics, the negative people, the ones who say it can't be done. You know, it's amazing. If I listen to what people say all the time, now I have to have a teachable spirit, but I'm not gonna listen to the naysayers. If I listen to everyone's opinion, you know, people come to our church, I go, it's too loud. Other people come in, oh, it's loud. I love the loudness. So whose opinion am I going to listen to? <laughs> you know, you should be doing that and you should be, doing, no, no. We, I got to do what the dream God's given us to do for our life. <laughs> Noah's there and he's saying, hey, come, 
come join, come be part of the, the deal because there's going to be a flood and it's going to rain. And they're like, what's rain? Because there was no rain back then. It, the water came through the earth. And they said, no, it's going to rain. And they, and they, they mocked Him and they criticised Him and they, they belittled Him. And, and too many people put down their hammer and give up when they get the opposition to life. They stop hammering away on that dream. They, they stop hammering away and building what God had called them to build because He's the designer. He just needs you to engage the engine. I'm sure what, you'd get up in the morning and go, oh, I'm gonna, hey, come, come join. No, you can, what are you doing now? Are you building an ark? What's an ark? It looks stupid, it's dumb. Every great idea, somebody said it's dumb. In fact, when the Ford Motor Company were, were growing and stuff like that, the, one of the chief guys there set, put a little sign outside the design room and said, leave your slide rule on the table here. Don't bring it into the... So on a table outside the office of dreams and creativity, he said, leave your slide rule there. And the reason he did, he says, because what would happen is you'd have a dream and they'd get the slide rule out and say it can't be done. They'd get the slide rule and say, this will never happen. You gotta leave the slide rule of what's been done before outside the door and start believing for what God put in you to dream what you could create. Because there will always be people who say it can't be done. They're the naysayers, the critics, the negative people. There'll be people that say, don't dream too big, that's too big. No, 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 dream big. But I discovered big dreams come in small steps. <laughs> I'd rather be an eagle, not a crow. So many crow people on the earth. They're crows, they fly, and they're, but they're just ugly and annoying. And they try to attack eagles. And what do crows do when they attack? What do eagles do when crows attack them? They start flying. And they go up to an altitude that the crow can't live. So they go higher and higher and higher and higher until eventually they get to a point that the crow runs out of oxygen because the crow was never designed to soar and fly like an eagle. And so many people live like crows instead of eagles. They live, they, they, they turn the engine off because they listen to someone else who tries to bring them down a crow level. I'm here to tell you, get and fly like an eagle, roar like a lion. Come on. God is great in you and He has greatness in you. There is no limit on God. God says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Get in the engine room of faith and fly. Noah is building, but he had to keep believing. And then God says, okay, it's time to get in the ark. It's complete. And God shuts the door. But think about this. God says to Noah, uh, to, um, to uh, Adam, He said, Adam, name all the animals. Previously this, name all the animals. Why were all the animals named? Because He knew that there'd be a time that they needed to be put on an ark and they needed to be represented. Because without no name, if you just say animals hop in the ark, there'll be people or there'll be animals that you miss out on. 
God so knew that the power of declaration and what you say over things and create things. And what happens is so many people stop talking about what God's put in their mouth and that they wonder why they leave things behind. So every Adam, Adam named every animal and then, then every animal went in two by two into the ark. They all had a name, they all had a purpose. And, and you know, can you imagine, I've discovered this in life, when you're stepping into another level, there becomes a smell. And it's not always a good smell. <laughs> you ever been to the zoo? Ever been to the royal show? And you're around the pigs or you're around, imagine if you're living in the ark. I would live where the bees are because that would smell good because there's honey. I wouldn't live where all the animals. Too many people stop building because they get around the smell of something that they don't like instead of enjoying the aroma of everything to say, hey, I'm not just gonna live in this small moment, I'm gonna live in a big moment and I'm not gonna let the smell of fear or a discouragement or the smell of opposition stop me from enjoying. See, let's say you go to the zoo, there's certain segments or sections of the zoo that you don't like the smell of. That doesn't stop you going to the zoo, you wanna experience all the animals. And so many people stop at the smell of one thing instead of enjoying everything. And he gets in there and he shuts the door. And you know, Noah was the second greatest leader the world's ever seen. You say, what do you mean? I thought, and you think about great leaders, you know, people talk about great leaders that build great things. But Noah was the second greatest leader. Jesus was the greatest leader because He saved us and He died for us. But without Noah, there's no one to die for. Imagine if Noah says, no, I'm not going to build the ark. So when the flood came, the whole, whole of humanity would have been destroyed. But because of a person who kept putting down the, the throttle into their engine and to take them to their destination, we are the beneficiary of them. That was a very nice golf clap. No, people gave good claps, but other people like, Oh, we went very quiet then. You are the beneficiary of someone else. Yeah. Someone's dream. Yeah. We sit in an air conditioning heated room. Somebody had to create that. Someone else had to build it. Someone else had to develop it. Somebody else had to improve it. You're the beneficiary of a dream. You're a beneficiary of a business. You're a beneficiary of an idea. You're a beneficiary. And so here's the deal. If you don't engage the engine in that belief, if you don't engage the engine in that dream, if you don't press the accelerator down, you will never discover the benefits. Thank God for Noah who kept dreaming in every season. What I've discovered about an engine, it takes you up hills that are a lot faster than walking, right? It takes you up to a, another level. It, takes, it pushes you through the place of opposition. But you think about breaking, I did this whole series on breaking the sound barrier. 
And when you're about to break the sound barrier, it becomes turbulent. I've discovered every time I'm stepping into a new level of victory, there's a bit of turbulence. Every time I'm stepping into a new part of my vision or a new part of a promise that God has said, there's a little bit of turbulence. And what happens is so many people back off when there's turbulence instead of pushing the accelerator down to go through into another level. Because once you break the sound barrier, you go into smooth space. You go into a place that literally is so, so peaceful and quiet. And I'm here to encourage you today. It's a year of overwhelming victory, but it takes you and I, not just looking at the exterior, not just building the interior, not just enjoying the entertainment, not just enjoying having the systems or the vision. We need faith, belief and press the accelerator to step into our God-given destiny. Martin Luther says, the true Living faith, which the Holy Spirit installs into the heart, simply cannot be idle. You cannot live a life in idle. God's always moving, so we need to move where He's moving. George Muller says, Faith does not operate in the realm of the possible. There's no glory for God in that which is humanly possible. Faith begins where man's power ends. See, so God says, get moving, get believing, but watch what I do. I'll take your natural and make it supernatural. I'll take your ordinary and make it extraordinary. You know, what we're doing around the world, you say, how are we doing that? We just got going and started believing. And then God brought His super to our natural, our extra, His extra to our ordinary. It's not that we're anything great. We just said yes, and we started moving. You see, think about, you have two legs, right? And if you have... So belief, I believe and I do. I believe, I do. I believe and 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 I do. I dream and I take action. I wanna go somewhere, so I engage. Faith is to believe what we do not see and the reward of faith is to see what we believe. That was Augustine. Faith is to believe what we do not see and the reward of faith is to see what we believe. Hmm. You know, the worst thing, um, can you bring that chair? Thank you. Um, you can come out, Nikki, wherever you are. Did you kiss your wife? Okay, good. Was it in, anyway, when I ask him. So, as a pastor of a church, pastors, one of the things that pastors hate is empty chairs. And every time you see an empty chair, you can see disappointment, problems, why isn't it filled? <laughs> and uh, so what we did, what you can do in life is you can, let's make the room smaller so it becomes more intimate. But really as an excuse to cover up, we can't build it, fill the empty chairs. <laughs> and we used to have a curtain, right? At, we still have it, but right at the, halfway at the back of our auditorium. 
And the 9.30 service was never full. In fact, it was not even full in the halfway. And, and I would like, oh, I've got, we've got to make it more intimate because it's about the feeling and, and, and all that. And I believe in creating good vibes and, and, and stuff like that, but that, that's, that doesn't build something. And so we used to have this curtain. And I remember my dad saying to me when he built a 4,000 seat auditorium and he had a balcony because he, he said, you know, you see the, the modern guys and they're all, you know, they're all putting curtains and making the building smaller to, to make it more intimate. He goes, I was a different. I, I looked at empty chairs and I looked at potential. So I'd prophesy people into those chairs. Instead of a problem, they became a place of potential. Then I went to Art Botsoff's church, who's 100,000 people. He's built three buildings that are 6,000 seaters. And he goes, and I said, well, I said to him one day, you know, you have so many services, not every service is full. Why, why don't you put a curtain across um, part of the balcony? And he says, no, 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 I'm not gonna do that because every time I look at an empty seat, I start prophesying what it's gonna be. I, I, I don't look at it as a disappointment. I don't look at it as, why is it a field? I looked at it as a potential. So you know what? We came, I came back and I said, we're no longer going to have a curtain in our building. We're going to have this open. You know, the 9.30 is almost as full as this This 11.30 is full, 3.30 is full, 6 o'clock. Why? There's still some empty chairs and some meetings, but the truth is, I see potential. I'm going to believe. So many of us at times have wanted to see a dream come to pass and it didn't happen now as we looked and so we put a curtain there because we don't want to look at the emptiness and the disappointment. We see this. We see this, right? And that becomes, I don't want to look, I'm going to cover it. I'm, I just, uh, it's empty, it's a problem. I remember sitting with our, our pastors the other week and I said, Stop looking, and they're not, but I said, make sure you don't look at an empty chair as a problem. Look at it as a potential. A potential for a future staff member maybe, a potential for, for someone to get saved, a potential for someone to encounter God, a potential. And, and let's not live in the problem or the disappointment or oh, I, I once believed but I didn't. No, no, no. It might take a little while, but just keep hammering. It might take a little while, but you just keep believing. You keep believing. You, 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 this is going to be full. Don't you worry. It will be full. Don't put the curtain up. Get rid of the curtain. The curtain was torn from top to bottom. When I was, you can have your seat. When I was um, younger, I learned to drive a manual car. Anyone drive a manual car here? Anyone never driven a manual car? Anyone, who's heard of kangaroo hops? All right, so kangaroo hops is when, so in a manual, you first have it neutral, you turn the car on, you have your foot on the brake, whatever. And then you put your foot on the clutch, it's on now, and you have your foot on the clutch and you put it into first gear and you have to put the accelerator down as you release the clutch at the same time. It takes some coordination. So there you are and you're, and you're like, and you release it and it creates momentum. If you release it too quick, you have kangaroo hops. And what happens is many times people are nervous about moving forward because they get the kangaroo hops. Or they're nervous to release the 
the clutch. But then they eventually do and they go into first gear and then they're driving in first gear and it's nice, but everyone's passing you. So then it's time to go into second gear. So you've got to put the clutch in again and increase the acceleration again. And you go into second gear and it clicks into second gear. And then, then you go into third gear and like you're creating momentum. And But many people get nervous about going to fourth gear or fifth gear. And so they live between gear two and gear three and maybe gear four. And so many Christians or so many dreamers that they're there and they go, I, I, I wanna go to another level, but they're too scared to engage speed to take them to another's realm. And they say in second, third and fourth, but when I drove a Lamborghini, I discovered there wasn't a first gear or just a second gear or a third gear or a fourth gear or a fifth gear or a sixth gear. There were 10 gears. That's why it could go faster. And I'm here to encourage you. You need to go beyond first, you need to get in a second. If you're in second, you get in a third. If you're in third, you get in a fourth. If you're in fourth, you get in a fifth. If you're fifth, you go in a sixth. If you're sixth, you go in a seventh. If you're seventh, get in a ten. Let's go to another level. Thanks for joining us today. I hope that your faith was filled and you were encouraged. If you have any prayer requests or want to connect with us further, search for us on our social media at Planet Shakers. We'd love to hear from you. 